You're not going to laugh a lot in this message. I prayed that God would just speak to our hearts in this hinge between Thanksgiving and Christmas celebration. And we start next week the, uh, <clears throat> the Christmas series. Uh, the, the message next week will be John's perspective. And I would encourage you to read the Gospel of John this week. For reference, it's a totally different message. John's perspective on Christmas is dramatically different. And I'll give you a hint. If you start Matthew, if you start Luke, you know he's relating to Christmas and the birth. If you start John, he's not relating to that at all. He was considered to be the last of the disciples uh, to be alive, among the last. So his perspective, that's next week. I plan pray that you'll come. The message today is cast the net. Would you say that with me? cast the net. Now my prayer is, God, I'm asking you through the Holy Spirit to speak to all of us. Not in a casual way, but in a way that you reach way down and say, boy, you better do something. You better pay attention. You better let, you better let me speak to you. But every time you hear something, if you uh, want any action, you have to make a decision to take an action step to move in the right direction. Sharon said something to me the other day, and she said, did you, did you not hear what I said? I said, I plead innocence. Well, why didn't you hear me? Because I was focused on the beauty of your face and how wonderful you are. <laughs> so here we go. New Philadelphia, Ohio. Has anybody ever heard of New Philadelphia, Ohio? From Ohio? There you are. Actually, it was in, that's where I got it from back uh, a while back. But it was all in the uh, papers there in New Orleans in that particular area. New Orleans had a municipal pool, many of them, that functioned during the summer. And there was one of the largest pools that they were celebrating, or 200 lifeguards there and pool was full of uh, individuals playing and it was the ending of the summer and um, getting to the place that they were celebrating that this year they had no one who drowned not one and so they celebrated and they had the music and they had food and they had all that was going with it and people began to leave and as they began to leave the more than 200 lifeguards left there were four of them left and after uh, the pool began to thin out a little bit, one of the lifeguards stood and looked at the deep end of the pool. And what he saw was 31-year-old Jerome Moody, fully clothed, had drowned in the deep end of the pool. He was surrounded by people, surrounded by lifeguards. And the challenge of the story is not that there was not enough lifeguards or enough people, but the challenge was this. Now, this is where we settle down. He drowned because no one, not the people, not the lifeguards or anyone, was paying attention to his dilemma. I look at our culture today as it relates to salvation and people coming to faith and getting saved. I wonder if we are paying attention to the great need out there of lost people. I wonder if we're really taking seriously because our lives are busy and we're focused on a lot of things. Some people, they're fighting to survive. Other people are 
enjoying, but in other words, we're not acutely, acutely focused on, wow, I hope that person goes to heaven. A large percentage of the stats say that the minuscule percentage of the world is not really ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church. People often are good people. People say, well, I'm a good person, but the reality is we know that being good will not get you into heaven. The Bible says that if we confess our sins to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask Him for forgiveness, we shall be saved. And so Jesus is about to embark in the training and impartation of truth to his disciples. It's the point that he's calling, and Peter is there among them, the call of the disciples. He's on the Sea of Galilee. We're going to see that in the beginning of March of this coming year as we go to Israel, and you're going to actually see the place where this took place. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, a fisherman, that was his business. May I, may I borrow your boat, and will you take me out in the water a little bit? And they did, and Jesus stood and spoke back to those on the shore. Thousands of them had gathered there because by now, Jesus' popularity, his teaching, his wisdom was spread abroad. And he begins to impart knowledge to them. For more than two hours, he's speaking to them. And those individuals, their heart was moved. Peter's heart was moved. He might have been hard-hearted, and he might have been just curious to begin with. But the Word of God can never be presented or spoken without it doing something in a positive way to the individuals who are listening. Jesus is finished. And he turns to Peter, and he says, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Peter's response is this, you do the teaching and I'll do the fishing. In other words, I'm a professional fisherman and Jesus had already watched them clean their nets and he knew that they had worked hard all night because Peter told him and he said, we caught nothing. That's my opinion. But then there's the word but. Peter was moved by what Jesus said. He felt the supernatural presence of the Word of Jesus. And something moved on this hard-hearted fisherman. Something moved in his mind and made him make a decision because he had been impacted by the supernatural of Jesus. And he said, but if you say so, if that's what you say do, we will do it. That's strange. You see, friend, it's so to speak, in order for us to reach lost culture, we have to go beyond what is necessary, beyond what is the routine. We have to self-sacrifice. And when they obeyed Jesus, it says the net was cast and the net filled with fish and it broke and they had to call another boat in and it, and it filled up. And Peter watched that. It's not the time of the day to fish. We fished and nothing hit. We caught nothing out there. And when Peter looked at those boats and those nets that were strained because of the weight of the fish, it moved him in a supernatural way. And he went to Jesus and he said, I am a sinful man. I have never experienced what I'm experiencing now. And I've come to realize by what you say, I'm hard-hearted, hard-headed. I am into religion. I'm not into relationship. And I've been fishing all these years, but I have never seen this. And I've come to the realization 
It's not I'm a stubborn man, not I'm a hard-headed man. He said, I am a sinful man. We notice that because in the same phrase, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Peter, don't be afraid for now you will catch men. You're no longer going to catch the natural. You're going to be engaged in touching the supernatural of lost individuals. And so it is, they pulled their boats to the shore. And then the Bible says they left everything. Peter walked away from his boat, the fish, his occupation, and followed after the Lord Jesus Christ. I came to the realization in studying this text again, I thought it must have been really important for a group of ragtag fishermen. That was their profession. That was their relationship. They had a fish house there. And when Jesus comes along and one two-hour message, he speaks to them, and they come to the shore by what they saw in the supernatural and say, we're ready to go follow you. Leave it all behind. And I came to the conclusion, God, is that what you call us to do? And the answer is yes. He said, when I call you, you deny yourself. You get rid of your opinion. You get rid of your idea. You get rid of your way. You get rid of the way you manage circumstance. And you absolutely follow me. Don't you get nervous about what you cannot control. I said to someone this morning, I gave this phrase, a confident person of who they are doesn't have to be afraid of anything. But an insecure person is afraid of everything. And in every decision in your life, you have the privilege to determine, am I behaving as a confident person or am I behaving as an insecure person? Do I have the right authority and the anointing upon me? Yes, you do. For in Him you can do all things, and without Him nothing is impossible. So what do we do? We're told, let's go invite people that are lost. Well, who are the lost? Not those that, are in, those that are in religion are lost. Those that are just membership individuals, they're lost. Well, what does a person have to do if they're born again? Here it is, simple. Confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and begin to follow Him. Well, I did that one time. But the, the bottom line is, if you don't follow through with that confession of faith, my friend, there is no action that produces the fruit that tells others I'm different. I'm changed. What causes us, let this sink in, to not invite people to church? What causes us not to do it on a routine basis to say, hey, I work with you, come, come go with me. Or I shop with you, come go. Or family member, come, come go. But I want you to go to church. Is it because of the lack of knowledge, the lack of opportunity, the lack of purpose, the lack of understanding? Most of us would say no. Because here's the deal, most of us who've been following Jesus Christ very long know we're supposed to reach lost people. Amen. We know. But if we judge ourselves and grade ourselves, okay, how many people in the last 90 days have I invited that actually came? How many? How many do I have? Here's what happens. We get into the routine of life. It's no mistake that the word gospel starts with go. Go gospel, the primary thrust of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In every religion, there are many who have a program 
that would cause people to say, you can be a Hindu if you follow the fourfold path of salvation. You can be a Buddhist if you follow the eightfold path to salvation. You can be an Islamist if you set on the five pillars that are there. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. Confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you shall be saved. It's a person and not a plan. His name is Jesus. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Let's read it together, shall we? Here we go on three. One, two, three. I am the way. No man cometh to the Father but by me. No church membership. No, not that many attaboys. Not you accomplish ten visitations. It's, hey, you got to know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Rich and, uh, Richard Nyberg said this about one phrase of modern theology. Modern theology. Here's a preface to that remark. He said, often the reason that we don't go is that we have forgotten about the intensity of God's love for lost people, and we have forgotten what time it is. My biggest enemy and your biggest enemy is you. Is you. How committed am I going to be to the cause of Christ? How committed am I going to be about the sacrifice that I need to make to say, Lord Jesus, you are everything. Nothing else matters. Job said, if I lose it all, though he slay me, yet I will not give up trusting him. My faith is not found in what I get. The literal theology that Richard spoke about was this. He said, it's a God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment. He says, hey, why do you need God when, number one, men are not sinful, number two, God is not in wrath, and number three, there is no judgment for your future. That's liberal theology. It is this. It's whatever you choose to do, do it. If that were true, Lucifer, when he failed... If that were true, the angel of light that he considered himself to be full of pride would never have faced judgment, and you and I would never have the challenges that we have today if that statement were true during the day that Luther or Lucifer failed God. But Jesus said, you touch that tree, you're full of love, you're full of opportunity, you touch that tree, and wrath will fall on you. And that's just the way it is. In other words, we've forgotten the lostness of men. You see, Jesus knew that just a few yards away from that boat, that there was a boatload of fish. Can you imagine if Peter had not decided to do what Jesus asked him to do? Can you imagine what would have happened if he'd have followed the rules of fishing and said, hey, I just want you to know we already been there. There's nothing there. Had he not exercised patience and practicing what faith he had, and he said, hey, but he did not do, he did exactly as Jesus said. 
Someone decided to go. And the reason some of you are here today is someone shared interest with you, wrapped their arms of understanding and love around you, took you by the hand, became your friend, and walked you through a rough place. And as a result of that, you came to faith or you're getting stronger in the Lord Jesus Christ every single day. You're the redeemed. The greatest miracle that ever takes place. The greatest is the miracle of salvation. And you see, the beauty of it is, here at Victory Church, we have a lot of opportunities. The dove tree and the angel tree. The first service jumped all over that. They didn't want you to get any. Thought, I'm taking them. That lobby was packed out there. But I said, Lord, here's what they don't know. Next week, we've got the hoodies for all of our sidewalk Sunday school class. That first for service think they took all the opportunities away. You're going to have yourself a heyday next Sunday morning in church. Amen? What are you doing? Every time you do that, you reach one hand out to a lost child or a child that has not realized their potential, and they wonder, does someone really care? If you don't think that's rampant in our culture today, there are more people lonely and lost than you could ever imagine. There are more people fighting an uphill battle in their life and they do not know where to go. Do you know why? They don't have the rock of the foundation of Jesus Christ. If you've got the answer, get out there and cast your net and let them know somebody loves them in the name of Jesus Christ. Unashamed of it. Christianity is not about you. It's not about what you want to do. It's about what God desires to do through you. This little, I think, $8, make room. Make room. Of, we make room for the birth of our king. It's a little, it's a little deal here, a, a wonderful CD that you can say, I want to get I want to give it to my, my cousin, my uncle, my children, etc. This card right here, this card right here is an invitation. And we have thousands of them, thousands you take a look at it and say, I'll be serious about that. Keep it at your desk. Keep it in your car. Keep it at home and do what you can and say, I want to reach one. I'm going to cast out into the deep and do something that interesting. The ringing of the Salvation Army bell. Salvation Army said, ring that bell, bring that money through the kettles, and we provide gifts for young people and for children, and then it's never done without the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? It isn't about giving the present. It's about an opportunity to say, here's a gift for you, but listen to this message. His name is Jesus, the Son of the living God. He's the answer. That's evangelism. That is evangelism. There's a book that is entitled The Word and the Power of the Church. It says, What Happens When a Church Seeks All God Has to Offer. And it's written by Doug Bannister. You history buffs will know this story. The year was 1940. Hitler and his panzer divisions, they were mopping up the French troops and preparing to siege Great Britain. The Dutch had already surrendered. The Belgian had already surrendered. And the British army floundered on the coast of France in the channel port of Dunkirk. And Hitler was just a few miles away in the French mountains. There were nearly a quarter of a million young British soldiers there just waiting for the enemy to overtake them. A hundred thousand allied troops facing capture and death. 
And it's stated that Hitler's troops being a few miles away figured it'll be an easy kill. The Roman Navy had enough ships to only rescue 17,000 of them. And that's all they could do. And the House of Commons received a telegram. Be prepared. Brace yourself for hard and heavy tidings. You're about to lose a quarter million of your soldiers at the hand of Hitler. The world was in despair. It hit the headlines here in the United States. But all of a sudden, the story began to change. Someone reported coming up and the horizon of the English Channel was a slew of boats. There were trawlers, there were tugboats, fishing boats, lifeboats, sailboats, pleasure craft, an island ferry named Gracie Fields, the America's Cup Challenge, Endeavor, and many hundreds more, all piloted by civilian individuals. They would not just step back and let Hitler come in and kill that many people. They decided to do something, and they took what they had, their powerboat, their ferry, whatever would float, and got in that channel and began to go after. And the story says, you can read it, they rescued 338,682 men and returned them to the shore of England. And they said it was a ragtag brigade, but it said it didn't matter if it would happen to be civilian individuals or not, those soldiers were glad that somebody stepped in and took the initiative, though they were not sponsored by the government, and said, we cannot stand by. I got a boat. Let's go out and get them. I'm telling you, the church is God's ragtag armada that God says, get in the stream and the flow of reaching lost people. Take what you have and do everything that you can so that not one will perish. Number two, Let's go instruct the individuals. Luke 5, 4. Let down the nets for a catch. Let down the nets for a catch. Go out into the deep. If Jesus were not going to instruct them what to do, it would have been a completely different story. Peter, this is why I'm calling you. I do the teaching. But I need you to take what you have and go into the deep. He knew that Jesus knew enough about fishing that it was the wrong time to fish. That's what moved Peter. He knew that Jesus saw them cleaning his nets, but he said, hey, take your nets and go anyway into the deep. Let down your nets. It's one thing to say I'm going out there. And I know that there are people that are lost and I know their names. And it's another thing, not only just to go, but he said sooner or later. You have to let down the net because the fish are there. And that was the moment of truth for Peter. Should I do that or should I not do that? Should I, should I obey what he just said or should I lean on my own personal intellect? But Peter was moved by the Holy Spirit because he heard the word that Jesus spoke. And that's what's happening in this room right now. You are hearing the word of God that says, hey, get into the deep and let down your net. And like Peter, you and I have to decide, well, what can I do that I am not doing 
It was interesting, in spite of processing the thoughts in Peter's mind, he made that decision at the instruction of Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said, and I quote, If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap into hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. And if hell must be filled, let no one go there unanswered or unprayed for, for the miracles of redemption to take place. You have to react to this message. You have to say, I heard it. Now what do I need to do? How do I respond? We are God's raging and ragtag armada. And we have the same commission that Peter had in his day. And I say, God help us. You see, at Victory Church, I've been here since the beginning, 30 years plus now. The reality is I know what my job is. I may not do it well sometimes, but here's what I know. If there's ever a need, I just believe the church of Jesus Christ ought to step forward and say we can help in some way. Amen? If it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ, if it's handing out a card, if it's in the, do you know what we could do to Salvation Army? We could not mention Salvation Army. We could put a little bucket out there with a little tripod, and here's what we could say. Hey, folks, if you have any interest in helping the Salvation Army and you want to just sign up, sign up out there. Go to the lobby desk and somebody will sign up. And, you know, and so you, we, we need to help them. If that's all we did, you know how many people would turn out, well, it doesn't seem to be a priority with pastor. You know what I'm saying? If you've got an arm and it can move, find you a bell and get out there with a tripod and begin to shake that bell. Amen. And whatever else you need to shake, shake it and get out there and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what you know then? That seems to be important with the pastor in our church. Why? Because there's one more soul that needs to be reached for the Lord. I don't know who it is, but I know this. They're not going to get by this church without us making an effort to get the job done. You like that? Put your hands together and let's thank God. But here's what Jesus said. There are many scriptures. We'll give you two or three. Mark 16, 15. And then he told them, you are to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone Where? Everywhere. That's why we do home missions. Here's Psalms 126.6. Yes, they go out weeping, carrying seed for sowing, and return singing, carrying their sheaves. Here's John 15.16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lovely fruit always so that no matter what you ask for from the Father using my name, he will give it to you. And there it is. Often we fail to be obedient to the command because we did not have the right motivation. So what motivated Peter? It was a message that Jesus preached. It was the miracle out of an act of obedience of Peter that caused him to come to the feet of Jesus. Bless you. For those of you online, someone sneezed and we said, bless you. So I wrestle with this as, as a minister uh, of a mega church. I say, God, what does it take? What does it take for us to hear the message and act on this message? 
Because Jesus came for one reason, that's to seek and to save that which is lost. He loves our Christmas program. He loves all that. He loves our worship. But listen to me. He didn't come because we could worship. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And he says it over and over again. So as a pastor and a minister, I have no choice in saying, hey, I want to remind us of what the priority is for Jesus. And I think, God, what does it take to motivate us? You know, what, what does it take for us to accept the message? Just really, what does it take? Can a message that is being preached, will that do it? Well, unfortunately, it stirs the emotion and the spirit a little bit, but it's not always as impacting. So if I then were to pray, God, here's what I want you to do. To every family in our church, I want you to so shake their apple cart and so impact them in whatever you need to do with whatever no bounds to get them to focus on the great commission of the need. But you know what? I'm praying a different prayer than that. I'm praying, Lord, in their lives as they love you, thy will be done. Your will be done. Whatever you in your will, thy will be done. You see, when we fail to have the right motivation, casting the net for the lost, it's because often we don't value a lost person. We look at good people. We look at people that are in religion. And we are held back by something that the enemies used against us. Judge not that you be not judged. That's true. But get over that. Get down to the place to where you say, God, if I don't see the fruit of a life that's committed to Christ. If a person has said, oh, I'm a good person, I'm a Christian, and you never see them at church. They're never engaged in any kind of a ministry. You never see them reading the Bible or any devotions. What kind of relationship is that? And you can look at that and say, you know, I don't want to judge you, but I want to help you get to the place that you're producing fruit. And you can't do that by putting your old bony finger in their face and chastising them, beating them over here with the Bible. God, forgive you and me. And if I see you doing it, my Lord, I'm going to take that Bible and pray. But you do it through love. You do it through care. You do it through relationship. You compliment the people or sacrificing and those that are crippled and walking lame spiritually, you put your arm around them and say, come on, let's go together. And when they get into the arena of, of seeing the miracle of the net bringing the net full, it will so impact people that they'll have a running start in living their life for God in a positive way. What motivation does it take? 
My family had a lake house, and one summer the family was there, 12-year-old kid and his 4-year-old brother. And dad was at the, uh, there at the lake house, and the 12-year-old supposed to be watching the 4-year-old brother down at the dock. They bought a brand new aluminum fishing boat. And all of a sudden, dad was tinkering around in the boathouse, and he heard this loud, piercing scream, and he's only, I don't know, 20 yards away. The 12-year-old couldn't get his breath. He's screaming, but dad knew, where is the 4-year-old? All the 12-year-old who was supposed to be watching was pointing at the end of the dock. Dad ran just a matter of seconds past, jumped in the water and went down, felt nothing. Came up, grabbed a lung full of air and went down again on the bottom and nothing, but he was coming up. He felt something hit him in the leg and it was the foot of the four-year-old boy hugging the dock, hugging the post that upheld the end of the dock. He grabbed him, shock on his face, pulled him up. They struggled for air, but after everything settled down, and the pandemonium seemed to be over, and the heartbeat began to settle down, and the adrenaline was no longer present. He called the little four-year-old by name and said, what were you doing holding on to the post? And he said in a four-year-old way, four-and-a-half-year-old, Daddy, you always told me to hold on. And I held on because I knew you would come. Do you know why the rapture hasn't taken place to judge the world in which we're in? It's because there's still a few more people God desires to reach. But that day is coming. Listen up. When that time is going to be up, and you and I do not know the time nor the hour, the Bible says, when it's going to happen. So I'm telling you, let's be aware of what time it is. We're in the end. Let's remember that the most important thing to Jesus is a human being that's lost, that has not accepted as Lord and Savior. Finally, he says, go and inspire them. For he and all of his companions, Luke 5, 9, were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. When we see the results of our obedience, you see one person come to faith. It'll change your world. You don't be afraid from now on, he says to Peter. Jesus did, for you're going to catch men. They brought the boats to the shore. Peter fell at his feet and said, how can I serve you? And that was the answer that Jesus gave him. Now, I don't know how else. This is not a message that you've laughed a lot. I've tried to inject a little bit of humor at my own expense. But I beg you, please don't leave this room and let this message slip away from you. Between now and the holiday, see yourself as an evangelist, as a carrier of the gospel. 
use everything and we'll give you more opportunities than you can imagine to say, if I'm ringing that bell, I'm doing the work of the Father. If I'm using this card, I'm reaching out to individuals that ordinarily would have no reason to even come to a special service. Or come, we've got a ton of snow, tons of snow out there. Or when we do Christmas Village. Or when we have New Song and others that come in and say it's Christmas. You know why? Because it's Christmas. I don't want Christmas to be routine. I want Christmas to be an explosion that brings the love of the Father closest to us than we could ever imagine. And I want to see people that you know come to faith. Amen? Let's give the Lord a clap offering, shall we? Would you stand? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We've delivered this message you laid on our heart. It's a tough message, but sometimes, uh, sometimes if you're famished and sometimes you're dehydrated, you have to have them take a needle and put in your arm or somewhere and get some fluid in your life. Because when the body becomes so dehydrated, the important vital organs begin to shut down. Well, God, I pray that a reviving of your Holy Spirit will rest upon all of us. I pray today that we'll remember, though we can leave here feeling that we are redeemed, but we're leaving here going into a world with maybe a little different perspective. Some of us, we have close friends. And Lord, they love to party and they love to have fun. And their life is about a lot of things, good things. But today we know that they're not even close to coming to church. They don't really see the need because it's their day off. And Lord, if we don't give you your day, we're certainly not going to give the other days that we feel belong to us. We're not going to give much out of that. But when a person's life is changed, a marriage will be healed. A family will be resolved. A husband will in fact begin to realize the lack and the need in his own life. And no counselor in the world can do that except Jesus. You speak to that heart. We pray now that you'd meet the need of every person, but there are those online right now that are listening and those in this room, and we know that we're not right. And maybe we need to take a step forward a little bit and say, well, I'm, I know that I'm a good person, but I'm, I don't know that I've ever taken the moment to really say, Jesus, come into my heart. But I'm going to do that now. And I'm going to ask everybody in a courageous way to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that right now? Here we go. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father you, are my God, you are my God and you are my creator. Lord Jesus, you are my Savior. You died for my sins. I believe by faith you gave your life. So here I am asking for forgiveness and repenting of all my sins. You'll need to help me. I'm going to put my hand in your hand, and I'm asking you to lead. I will not get lazy. And I will not let the enemy steal my joy, for I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen?
put your hands, let's thank God, shall we? You're sick in your body, you need help, you need a touch from God, you need that healing. My Lori and Wayne are in South Africa, they're coming home this week. But there's about 17 in Wayne's family there and they had a gathering and I think 16 of them had a 24-hour virus. They needed, um, they needed an intravenous treatment. So Lori went to the emergency room. She has little thin veins anyway. Most doctors and cannot get her the first time. She can tell them where to try to go for it. They just roll. The most of the time they use the little baby needle to get in there. You, you guys would know. The intravenous, and they had a plane to catch over in South Africa to fly to somewhere else. She said, we got to go. The doctor said, well, if you really have to go, take the bag with you. When you get on the plane, it ought to be empty, and you can have your husband take the needle out of your arm. And uh, here's an alcohol swab, and just do it up, put a Band-Aid on it. You're good to go. Not me. Amen? You're good to go. My point is this. I don't want you to get in any huge hurry that you can't get exactly what God wants for you right now. And if God directs you forward, you come, whatever your need is for healing, and I'll give the benediction as soon as this song is over. But please, friend, let God touch you. Be obedient as Peter was, and God will give you miracles. Here we go, everybody. My chains are gone, and I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy Unending love, amazing grace. We're going to wait on you one more minute. My dreams are gone. I've been saved. My God, my Savior has ransomed. So, Heavenly Father, this is not the end. May this message reverberate in our heart and our minds for days to come. We know what the answer is. His name is Jesus. We know what the message is. He and He alone have the ability to bring redemption. 
Meet every single need of every person in our church and give them favor. And may this week we have an opportunity to ring that bell and hand out those cards and to let the proclamation of Jesus go in the Christmas season. Let us do it. And God, if there are family and friends that we know, they're just not right. Well, we just keep inviting them and bring them on in and you'll do the rest. We thank you for this privilege. In your name we pray and everybody said, amen. I love you, everybody. God bless you. I'm empty.